Cain. In Genesis chapter 4, God gives a warning to Cain because sin is crouching next to his soul, and a deep resent is swelling within him. At the time of his underwhelming sacrifice, God is yet to send Cain away, and Cain has yet to carry out the great evil of murdering his brother. But Cain lets his countenance fall, and as his character falls, it becomes overrun by resentful emotions, and he becomes morphed into a vicious monster. And that's something which is rather bad. This is something which is a problem because many times in life, while we may not devolve into a murderer, a lot of times anger and emotions and things which are, are just unhealthy to have overrun us, but they might have a time and place in certain moments, they take our character away. And if we do not want to become Cain, then we must take up the difficult task of maintaining our character and composure. Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. And I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and I'm here in the studio with... I'm Anthony Alegria. And today we're going to talk about having discretion when using emotions and being able to, to actually build upon one's character and keeping their composure. Because so many times we're faced in life with situations that tempt us to transform from Abel into Cain. And I know we've talked about Cain and Abel a lot, and this is actually one of the few places where I think it's permissible for us to think about Cain and Abel being two sides of the same coin. I mean, they're both of the same gene pool. They're of the same circumstance, essentially. And Cain and Abel are essentially two different pathways that human potential can go. One is moving towards righteousness and other is moving towards evil. But Cain himself, when he has this sacrifice, which is underwhelming, it doesn't meet God's standards, God is actually not done with Cain. He's actually extraordinarily merciful with him at that moment. However, there is a transfiguration which happens where Cain has a Jekyll into Hyde transition where he fully becomes this monster which carries out a very wicked task. And we realize in life there are a lot of things which come over us. We may get frustrated. We may be with someone we love, someone we care about, and something overcomes us. And we realize that we're almost behaving with a different set of personality traits. It is like we become a different person. It's like we morph from Abel into Cain or from Jekyll into Hyde. And we have to ask ourselves, what is God's warning against this? You know, in Genesis chapter 4, God comes to Cain and says, don't let your countenance down. Don't let your character fall. And it's best to avoid this emotional transformation altogether, even though there are times where we need to have emotions come out. But we live in a day and age where people really haven't been taught to use emotional discretion. They've been taught that in the past, everyone wanted to have barriers around emotions, so that's bad. So you just need to release them whenever, however you want to. And there's no discretion at all on how these things are applied. And that's not a very good thing. And it oftentimes leads from People who are, again, someone who may have potential to be right, but they morph from being able into someone more like Cain. Anyway, so we're going to have a conversation about this, and we're going to give some warnings against evil and how we can work to keep our character up. And we have to keep a few things in mind as doing this. Confession of sin is an important thing, but it's not enough. One actually has to confess the temptations they have, such as Cain to want to go out and kill his brother, but they must couple that with sincere repentance. A lot of times if people just say something out loud, it kind of gives power to that situation and it makes things worse. Whenever you talk about something, if you don't have that coupled with any righteous transformation or righteous direction afterwards, if you're just saying a name to something, just saying, oh, we want to have a conversation on this issue, but there's not any transformation. A lot of times we find that that just gives power to whatever sin or evil or whatever bad thing is festering there when you just, yeah, it, it's not good you got to go all the way through the method. You state the problem, and then you 
kind of figure out how you're going to do it, and you start to find solutions. This is what God calls us to do. So let's get into a couple of things that we're going to talk about with Cain and Abel. Things to remember is that the sin that is there, the wickedness, which is depicted like a predatory animal, it wants Cain's soul. If you'll remember in Genesis 4, it doesn't come to him and say, well, I'd really like to have your brother dead. It doesn't come and say, why don't, why don't you kill your brother? Instead, you don't even hear the sin and wickedness talking at all. It's just crouching next to him like an, an animal waiting to pray. And the desire of the sin and wickedness is Cain's soul. It wants him. The heart often convicts one towards something out there. But if we don't have a good moral compass and we have this thing crouching and swelling within us, our heart may convict us to do evil. And that's not a good thing. Another thing I want us to remember about the story that we're going to talk about today is that God is actually very merciful with Cain. Um, all throughout the text, he's actually quite merciful. But God does not just say, I'm done with you. I don't want to ever talk to you again after Cain has that bad sacrifice. Anthony? I think, um, not to give any spoilers, I think we've all heard this story before. Um, even after Cain kills his brother, he's still very merciful. It's not a eye for an eye justice that you see here Cain doesn't get murdered for killing Abel nor is Cain even allowed to be murdered there is a punishment placed sevenfold on any yeah. murderer who would come upon Cain yeah. for the murder of Abel and so even there there's a huge amount of mercy that's shown sure sure and God gives him a warning he says don't let your countenance fall and and Different translations will translate that differently, but it's basically saying don't let your composure, don't let your character fall. Don't let your, your persona fall. And I don't know about those who are out in our audience, but one thing that I have definitely experienced in life, and I know a lot of people who have, is a lot of times when you get angry, you get really upset over something, and it's, it's not always just anger per se. It can just be frustration, but it is almost like you transfigure into someone else. It's like you have a different set of personality traits. Anthony, would you not say this is something we, we see a lot in life? Yes, uh, I would say it's definitely true. <clears throat> it's sort of weird the more you think about it, this idea of sort of turning into another person. Person, I've always heard that phrase growing up, and I thought it was kind of dumb. But now that I'm a little older I, I, and I think about it, it does sort of make sense because of the way you behave and respond to things is really different. Yeah, when you get overwhelmed with emotion, you, you start to morph into someone different. And now with Cain, he has this movement where he, he kind of becomes more of a, a hide character. But it all starts because he doesn't properly maintain his character. And one of the things which is unmistakably true that once Jekyll transforms into Hyde, um, it's almost impossible to come back from that. And, and God's warning to him is says, look, there's a situation you've been dealt with. You've, you've fallen short of something. But even in life, not always is it something of your own guilt. Sometimes it's just something that is out there. You know, something comes to to agitate life, to exaggerate whatever suffering you may be dealing with. And the temptation comes to, to really adopt a different set of personality traits. But as with the story of Jekyll and Hyde, even though you may be acting out with a different set of personality traits, the good side of you is ultimately responsible for what the bad side of, of you wants to do. And I know this whole episode is going to sound like we're really dualist over here and we talk about dual natures of people. That's not really the, the angle that I typically come from. But when you, you come to how we deal with our emotions, we really do have to have discretion, which that moves us into. I want us to talk about Jesus, well, how he deals with temptation. I want us to actually go to the, the gospel of Luke chapter four. And in the gospel of Luke, Jesus himself, he is tempted. 
the the diabolical one, the devil, he comes to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. And while he is there, Jesus's character is maintained. And that's one of the beautiful things which happens. Whenever we're tempted with these situations, if we can stay the side of our, our personality, which is bent towards righteousness, if we can maintain our, our composure as as either able or maybe we want to call that the, the Jekyll side, if you can maintain that side of your character, you're going to fare much better. Because once you morph into the other side, you know, bad things happen. This is literally what God says to, to Cain in the story. He says, make sure that you are the best version of yourself when you deal with this resent. Now, as you will know, having the emotions that he has there are not the same thing as the murder, though eventually when we find in the New Testament, you do get Christ talking about, you know, what your heart is wanting. You know, it's what comes out of the heart, which is ultimately where the sin is. That is true. But at the same time is, is we have moments in time where we can stop the heart from carrying out its desires. And this is where it really takes a, a couple of layers of thinking to get in with this. Once the temptation comes there, you do not have to go along with it. And that's the important distinction I want to make here. So let's talk about Jesus in Luke chapter 4 in verses 1 through 13 and find out what happens when he is tempted in the wilderness and how he maintains his character. So Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority. For it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And in verse 8, Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And in verse 9, The devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And in verse 12, Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished with him every test, he departed from him and waited until an opportune time. And again, you listen to this, and the devil even sounds like a predatory animal. You get that whole image of waiting for an opportune time. Kind of like a hawk sitting there on like a, a light line or something like that, twisting his head around, just kind of sizing up the field. The devil does that. But you'll find in the story, as Jesus even endures the devil's temptation, one of the things which makes him very different from what happens with Cain is he never lets his character fall. Sure, are there times in the gospel where Jesus is assertive? Absolutely. He goes in the temple and turns over some tables. There are a lot of times when Jesus is assertive. Sometimes the disciples aren't understanding things. Sometimes Jesus has to, to say, get behind me, Satan. There are times where Jesus has an assertive side of his persona. But at the same time, Jesus has great discretion when dealing with the different circumstances of life. And that is something which is not taught to a lot of young people. And as they mature into adults, they have this missing understanding of emotional discretion. Emotions are something that we have. But you have to be wise about when you use them and when you don't. 
And I hate to be so rude, but a lot of young people are just taught him to have no barriers at all, have no limits, have no walls around your emotions. Just if you feel it there in that moment, therefore it is good and you, you go in it. In fact, um, I might say that a, a good majority of the way that our, our theology in the entire Western world of Christianity is being shifted are basically all some version of I, I desire, I want, therefore I, everything must conform. I, I have this emotion, I emote, therefore um, the world must conform. Anthony, what are your thoughts about that? Do you see a trend where people aren't taught to use discretion with their emotions? And again, I'm using the word discretion, meaning there are times where you let certain things out. There are times when you don't. You have to have discretion about that. I would definitely agree. And um, I think there's a few huge problems with this. I feel like some of the worst things that people do and a lot of the things that people regret later on are done out of, you know, emotional fuel, I guess you could say, um, because of their emotions. And something else that really bothers me about that idea is that it's operating on the assumption that all the emotions that you feel are right and justified every time. And there are times whenever you're going to have to use discretion and control yourself, even whenever you deserve per se to feel the way that you do. But there's also a very huge portion of time where people should not feel the way that they do. And I think the story of Cain and Abel shows that pretty well. Cain, he's really mad about the fact that Abel got regard for his sacrifice and he himself, Cain, did not. And whenever God comes to him, he asks him, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? And then he warns him about sin. But what's funny about that is, is that in those questions, God is delegitimizing Cain's feelings. Cain's not supposed to be mad that Abel's doing well and that he's not. Cain's supposed to repent and change himself and make the right and best sacrifices like Abel does. And then, just as Abel is accepted, Cain will be accepted. I might take a little different angle on that. Um, though I, I agree with what you're saying, a lot of times people do have emotions that aren't justified, even though, of course, everybody, it, when you experience an emotion, it feels justified to you. Of course it does. But I think God's mentality is it's not about what you're feeling so much as it is about your composure. And when we even talk about like something like fulfilling an emotion, whether it be the rage to go out and, and take out your brother, there is a long-term satisfaction that people get in life and then a short-term. Um, instead of you taking that rage towards your brother and killing him or doing anything against him, you know, that's something which should be properly positioned to say, well, what is different about what he's doing and what I'm doing? He's putting forth his best. Well, then I need to put forth my, my best. It's a, it's a time where you might have some actually introspection and actually try to f fix things, or you might be looking to God and saying, well, God, show me what I'm doing wrong. You can actually energize a lot of things and, and take advantage of, of the energy built off something and do something well with it. But a lot of times people have just been under the mentality that if I feel it, therefore I must give it full validity. And maybe that's kind of what your angle you're taking. But I think there's a different mode of thinking that says I'm not going to be extraordinarily concerned with how I'm feeling in this moment because I'm looking to a bigger picture. I'm looking to something beyond this, this moment. Um, and that, that's a difficult thing to do. Even within one's life, there's sort of the delayed gratification that one may get versus instant gratification. And really, a lot of this comes down to the product of how one has discretion in their character. What do they do with the things they feel in a given moment?
Because if you just allow your taking note of, hey, God liked that better than my sacrifice, which again, another element of this is it appears that Cain kind of convicts himself, and sometimes people do that when they, they actually know what the difference is. But, you know, Cain, he allows that self-conviction or his, his acknowledgement that there's a difference between them. He allows that to be turned into a resent, which turns into to a sinful murder of his brother. But there is a moment where God comes to him and he, he gives him this piece of, of advice. He says, you know, be warned. Sin is crouching. Maintain your composure. Don't let your countenance fall. And really, once we let our countenance fall, once our character falls, it is very, very hard to come back. Anyone who's ever been in an argument with another person, you know how true this is. Stuff starts being said and bad things happen. But it goes a lot farther than just an argument that we have with one another. It can be our frustration that we have with the world. It can be our, our disposition towards you know man, machine. It can be versus the whole world or even God. Whenever we allow our composure to fall, we are not able to address the things that we deal with. And so you do have a vicious amount of resent coming over you. If you can abstain from becoming Mr. Hyde and you can be Dr. Jekyll, you're probably more likely to work that out and not let that resent turn into something worse. You can start moving away. You can start that righteous transformation and you can start being sanctified by God and moving back towards something if you can maintain your character. Maintaining the countenance, maintaining one's character, it is not easy to do. And in order for people to do this, if you really don't want to become Cain, then really you've got to put a lot of things in your life that are provisions and safeguards against that. You've got to put warnings out there that say, you know what, maybe I just don't need to go in a situation that I know is going to have me transform into the worst side of my, my personality. I need to just stay away from that. Sometimes that requires planning ahead and a lot of things of that nature. Anthony? What I think was kind of funny about what you just said is that you said that you need to make the right provisions. And basically uh, that sort of thing. What's funny is, is that you have to make the right sacrifices. And within the story... We actually see that playing out. Cain wasn't willing to make the right sacrifices. And so he was very, he, he put himself in an opportune place and time for sin to, you know, consume him and to afterwards also get his brother. And so um, had Cain changed and had Cain loved God enough or had the faith to make the right sacrifices, all of these things could have been a lot different. Yeah, and even when we look back at Luke 4, Jesus has moments when he's assertive. That's not who Jesus needed to be when dealing with the devil. And by assertive, I mean flipping tables over and, and putting people in their place. He realizes that when he's up against the tempter, the, the forces of temptation, one needs to have a different temperament. They have to have different parts of their personality that they are embodying. And this is a really hard thing to do. And it's something which takes a lot of practice. It takes discipline. It takes emotional discipline. It takes emotional discretion. And it takes some forethought and saying, you know, if, if I get around these, these certain people and these sort of things starts happening, you know, if I, if I start this sort of, you know, project, I know there, there are a lot of people, myself included, who get really frustrated. You might be working on something, things go awry. You know, maybe you're working on a car and it starts getting more expensive than you anticipated. All these things, they can be frustrating. But you've got to remember whenever you're hit with that moment of frustration that who do you want to be dealing with them? 
Because many times, if you allow yourself to become Hyde or Cain, you're not only fighting against whatever you're fighting against, but you're also fighting it yourself because a lot of times you're, you're unreasonable. You're doing vicious things. You're, you're a monster. But if you can stay on the composed side of things, if you know you take the wisdom God gives to Cain in maintaining your, your character, maintain your face, maintain your persona, and even the same thing that Jesus does, he maintains his character out there in the wilderness, you will be much better positioned to deal with the frustrating things in life. Well, anyways, that's where we're going to wrap this up. So we hope you enjoyed this. We hope that it was a, a fun conversation. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments about maintaining one's character, and look, I know that's a very difficult thing. It's extraordinarily difficult. No, Anthony? No, absolutely. And I think um, a lot of the common questions are just trying to balance, you know, things like self-expression and um, maybe things like processing emotions and processing who you are and what's natural and versus, you know, self-control or maybe legalism and things like that. Yeah. And for the record, I'm not telling everybody to go have an emotional debrief after every situation. I actually think <laughs> that's one of the problems that's got us to where we're at now is we've taught everyone that you should have a serious emotional reaction to stuff um, when that's just fundamentally not true. And people have wildly different personalities and a lot of people don't feel the things that, that others do. But all I'm simply saying in the, the purpose of this is that you've got to have discretion on when you do things, which means don't exaggerate certain traits if they're not there, which, again, a lot of our debrief culture has told people to do, you know, exaggerate the sorrow of something. Like, no, no, don't do that. But whenever something does come upon you, ask yourself, who, who does God call me to be? God sometimes calls us to be assertive and, and thwart evil, and you've got to be the side of, of the church which says we're, we're going to be protecting the innocent. And there are other times which says, no, I'm not up against the sort of villain that, that requires me to turn over a table. Instead, I'm up against someone who is tempting me, who is actively after my soul. They don't care how many tables I turn over. And again, you find this even with, with both the devil there, who's he wants with the worship of Jesus. He doesn't want Jesus to really eat a rock that's turned into bread or something like that. He doesn't really care about those things. He ultimately just wants his worship. And the sin back there in, in Genesis, it ultimately just wants Cain's soul. He doesn't really care if he kills his brother or not. Sure, it's great if he does, but that's not what it's after. But whenever we're faced with situations, we've got to realize we use discretion. And with that, we'll close. Send us your thoughts, questions, or comments. Check us out. We're on YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, a lot of podcasting places. You can donate monetarily at patreon.com. And remember to support your local church. With that, God love you.